Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We're going to bring the music team up in about 25 minutes to worship our God, but I will share, want to share God's Word. Let me start with this. For centuries, it's been tradition for the minister to stand in front of the congregation and to say some words. We're going to do this today as, as a sort of tradition in churches. The minister would say, He is risen, and the congregation, the church people would say, He is risen indeed. We're good with that? Pretty simple. Let's say it. He is risen. He is risen Let's go again. He is risen. Let's feel it. Let us feel the passion, the power. Imagine Christ defeating sin. The, 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 he stormed the gates of hell. He de- defeated sin. He overcome every challenge and sickness and physical ailment. He rules and reigns the heavens and the earth. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. We thank You, Jesus, that You have risen today. I want to share a story about two guys who on this day, Easter Sunday, they were actually followers. They, they were disciples. And on this greatest day, when, when the whole world was changed, right? The day of days, the greatest day in history, uh, they missed it. They missed it. What's interesting about this story is Jesus was physically standing in front of them and they couldn't see Him. How is that possible? We're going to discover that these followers were believers, but because of Jesus' death on Friday, they stopped believing. And in their unbelief, it blinded them to see what was right in front of them. And as crazy as this story may sound, it can happen to us. We can be strong in faith and believe in God and all of a sudden something hits us, a circumstance, a challenge, something we didn't plan for and all of a sudden we can be shaken. Instead of our faith being strengthened, it it, it is pushed into this area of not sure and doubt and unbelief and our problems, our circumstances become bigger than our God and we stop seeing Him. It's a beautiful story because Jesus kind of talks to these two guys how to overcome their blindness. So that's what I want to share with you today. The reason why I want to share this story is every year I ask our staff to pick one word, one word that we can hang on to that can kind of keep us focused for the whole year as we seek God and and pursue Him, sort of one word that we believe God has for our lives. And for my word, it's to see. I I wanna see God move like never before. I I wanna see God operate like I haven't in the past. I I wanna see Him. I, I wanna position myself as a pastor to be humble and teachable and say, God, I'm not sure where we're going, but I know that You know. And so I wanna see You. I I wanna see signs and wonders and miracles. I wanna see Your power. I wanna see people get saved. I, I wanna see You glorified. I wanna see You build Your church. So my world is to see. And I was reminded of this story at Easter. These two disciples couldn't see Jesus right in front of Him. God, don't let me get caught up in church work and not see Christ moving in my 
life. I pray this will encourage you, this Word, give us hope and help us to know that Jesus is right in front of us. Let's jump in, Luke 24, 13. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Same day, that's Easter Sunday. So these are believers, they were there on Friday at the crucifixion. Now they're walking away from Jerusalem and uh, they're heading um, opposite direction. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So they weren't just talking about, you know, what was going on with COVID or the lockdowns or masks or not masks. They were having these intense conversations, not saying that's not important, but these Young Jewish men, for generations, they had heard stories from their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, how there was a Messiah coming. These were prophecies that had been handed down through the Torah. This was, uh, they would, every year they would have these different uh, traditions and feasts and holidays, all designed to keep looking for the Messiah. And so these boys had grown up spending their whole life hoping, waiting, praying, wishing, dreaming for who? For the Messiah. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and He does things that no one else had done. Miracles. He, he delivered people from demonic powers. He, he spoke with authority. He challenged the religious leaders. I mean, these guys are like, He's the one. He's the Messiah. Finally, in our lifetime, something that's been waiting for thousands of years, we see Him until Friday when Jesus died. And on that death, their hopes died with them. What do you do when your dream seems to die? What do you do when what you'd hoped for doesn't happen? What do you do when what you were believing for and praying for doesn't work out the way you want? We can all relate. We can all relate. Um, I, I, I've got four boys and, and a daughter, five kids, and my third child, 18, he's in uni to be a nurse, and he says, Dad, I need money. I said, I get it. That's how the world works. Yeah. He says, I, I need a full-time job. I'm, he's a carer. He does 10, 10 or 12 hours caring, but uh, he's full-time studying. He says, I need money, but I can't get money because I need a full-time job. But I can't get a full-time job because I've got to study full-time so that I can get a full-time job. This is a horrible cycle that I'm trapped in. And I'm like, welcome to adulting. But to him, it's like, this is bad. This is wrong. Dad, we need to change this. Change it. This is how life works, son. You gotta save, you gotta study so you can get a job. And he's just, his dreams, he thought he'd finish high school, life would be easy, you know, live off mum and dad, make a million and everything's sweet. And all of a sudden, it's his dream has been crushed. Well, my other son went to America to play football at Gridiron only to have the season shut down two weeks ago because of COVID. What about you? Maybe you've had some dreams. You were dating someone, you put all your eggs into one basket. You thought they were the one and then they ended up, it's crazy town. They're not the one. Your friends tried to warn you, but you didn't listen. You don't know them the way I know them and you believed and all of a sudden 
you're just dealing with the broken pieces. We've all got dreams. What about a ministry dream or, or to lead a church or to run a nonprofit or to run a business? And so you went in with a business partner. I started this business once. It was a water business to get water out of oils. We bought this truck. I put 10 grand in only to see the guy drive off with the truck and I never saw it again. You know, just lost it. It was just devastating. So often we end up with our dreams broken. What do we do when our dreams seem to die. These guys had lost their dream. They'd lost their hope. Their dream was destroyed. It was done. It was over. I think we can all relate. As a pastor, COVID has probably thrown a spanner in the works more than any other time in my life going to church. It's disrupted. I've never seen church doors closed like we had last year. Uh, People are still trying to find their faith and find where they fit. And it really disrupted. But what we're going to see is God is still working even when it seems our dreams have ended. So verse 15, they were walking and discussing these things with each other. And Jesus came up and walked with them. So He's walking beside them. Think about this. Two guys walking from Jerusalem. It's on Sunday. Jesus walks in, but they were kept from recognising Him. The Bible doesn't specifically say why. It doesn't say why, but I wonder if the Bible kind of gives us a glimpse into it. Because later we're going to read they had lost their hope. And I believe it was the disappointment that blinded them. Have you ever noticed what you meditate on the most is what you see? So I I bought a ute, first time I bought a ute uh, uh, a while back and all of a sudden I was trying to decide what ute to buy. I saw utes everywhere. It's like every car was a ute. And and I thought, I like the Ranger, you know, go Ranger. And and there were Rangers everywhere. It's like what you look at, you see. You know how that works? Uh, Ladies, you you, you might know this. You like some shoes or a dress or a colour and suddenly you see it everywhere. You're working with me. And so you see what you're looking for. It's interesting when you speak, you end up getting what you say. If you speak negatively, if if you're always talking negative about your health and how bad it is and how many problems you have, all of a sudden you seem to have more health problems. (laughs) The more you talk about how bad your health is, the more you have what you speak, what you meditate, what you look at often is what you end up or you complain about your kids or your spouse or you complain about the church and then you find more things to complain about your kids and your spouse. And the more you complain, the more things you find to complain. It's actually known as the Bowder-Meenhof phenomenon. It's a scientific phenomenon where we have selective attention. Our brains tune out non-relevant information and tune in relevant information. Isn't it interesting? It's also called confirmation bias, where humans love to confirm their own suspicions, even if they're wrong. And maybe these two boys were so consumed with the death of Jesus, their brains couldn't consider that He was alive. Because it wasn't logical that they saw Jesus die on Friday in their little minds. How is it even conceivable that Jesus would be alive walking beside them? And we do the same. We limit God with what our minds can comprehend. 
We limit God with what our logical brain can conceive. And what we do is we're blinded often by what God wants to do spiritually in our lives. And if we rely on our minds and just our emotions, we lose what we call the Spirit and having the eyes to see spiritually that there's something bigger and something greater going on. In verse 17, He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked Him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened in these days? In other words, where have you been? Have you got no idea what's just happened? It's interesting in this dialogue that Jesus takes them on this journey. He doesn't just stand up and start preaching at them and saying, guys, it's me. You know, I'm Jesus. I, I defeated the enemy. I, I rose again. I've, I've overcome. I charged the darkness. How good was that message on Friday? Come on, Jesus charged the darkness and overcame the darkness. He's victorious. He's the conquering King. He's the Lion of Judah. He was the Lamb sacrificed, but He rose again. He has all authority, all power, the King of Kings. We celebrate that, but Jesus didn't make a big deal about Himself. He he didn't uh, just build up what He had done. He takes them on this journey. And I wanna take you on this journey today so you can have some tools in your tool belt. How do you respond when your dreams are dashed, when when your hopes fall through, when you get an announcement from the doctor or or you get a phone call from a family member or or something at work happens that you weren't looking for? How, How do we respond? How do we see Jesus? How did these boys see Jesus? Well, let's read Scripture And find out, verse 19, what things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, a powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Verse 21, here is where we really get an insight into these two followers of Christ. But, three words, we had hoped but we had hoped. This gives an insight where these boys were at with their faith. We had hoped that He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. We had hoped. These disciples had hoped that Jesus would overthrow Rome. They had hoped that they wouldn't be slaves anymore. They'd hoped that they would be able to buy land. They would hope they would have the freedom to vote. They would hope that they wouldn't be subject to slavery. They had hoped that Jesus would restore and redeem them. They had all these hopes, but suddenly with the death of Jesus on Friday, their hopes had gone. Because when you lose your hope, you become blinded because all you can see is your hopelessness. I'm here to encourage someone. Your situation may may seem hopeless, but there is a Jesus who is greater than your situation. There is a Jesus who overcame everything. There is a Jesus, if you just turn your eyes off your hopelessness and turn your eyes to Him, you'll start to see through the eyes of faith and you would have great encouragement that there is a victory that He's won for you. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb earlier 
this morning, but didn't find his body. We're not sure where. Was it robbed? Was it stolen? What's going on? They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was what? He's alive. So they had already heard that he could be alive, yet they failed to believe it. Isn't that interesting? Jesus had to show up physically because they couldn't believe the Word of someone else. Their, their, their minds would not allow them. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said, but, but Him they did not see. They, they couldn't see. Up to this point, their failure in their hope, their trust in their Messiah had failed and fallen short. So now what were they doing? They were actually walking away from Jerusalem. That was the place where Jesus was crucified. They were walking away from the believers and the other disciples. They, they were kind of on the run. It's interesting, we do the same thing. When we have times of doubt and disappointment, we can withdraw, we can alienate, we can walk away. Who do we walk away from? Well, we walk away from our God, but we also walk away from other believers. And this may be real personal to me, but my heart breaks and so does Bonnie's for so many Christians that are displaced at the moment. Uh, maybe they've been hurt by church or their, their hopes didn't come through for whatever reason, but they don't find themselves in a healthy place in a church service with other believers. And, and I believe that when we're hurting the most, that's when we need to be in church more often. <laughs> when we're having struggles and trials, that's where we need to support each other. That's where we need to have each other's back. That's where we need to encourage each other. That's where we need to come together. Yet so often we do like these two disciples, we, we walk away, we get offended, we get hurt. Well, maybe it's our pride, no one called me or whatever reason. And so my heart breaks for so many people that are just on this sort of phase of life, trying to find their place, trying to find where they fit, trying to find their faith. And when life doesn't work out, we often walk away, but that's actually the time to walk to God, to walk to other believers. And Jesus is walking beside these men and He has two instructions for them. He has two kind of ways to deal with their blindness. Here's the first one. He gets them to focus on Scripture. Verse 25, He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe that, sorry, believe that all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and, and then enter His glory? In other words, Scripture had already predicted the death and resurrection of Christ. Verse 27. And the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the what? In all the Scriptures concerning Himself. It's almost like God is trying to get us to see stuff. 
As a parent, one of my jobs is to try to get my children to see things. Um, try to get them to see that if they eat Easter eggs all day and play Fortnite eight hours a day, that's probably not going to be beneficial to their health. Uh, I try to get them to see that if all they do is, you know, have friends online, but don't actually meet anyone face to face, they're not developing their interpersonal skills. And so I, I try to get them to see that, you know, working is good because, you know, you get a fruit of your labour and getting a job is successful. And so my job as a parent is always trying to get them to see. I think God is always trying to get us to see. And He wants to use His Scripture, the Bible, to reveal truth so we can see it. Because too often we only see what Google tells us. We only see what was happening at work or, or, or on social or, or Netflix. And so God wants to use Scripture to help us to see what's truth. Isn't that amazing? That's why I believe coming together in a church service is so critical because my role as a teacher and a pastor is to share God's Word. Where you can listen to God's Word and then in your life group or your small groups or our other um, added activities that we're doing during the week can help you to meditate on the Word of God to be able to see what He's trying to show us. And so Jesus tells them about Scripture. There's some powerful truth to that, that Scripture unlocks the blindness and helps us to see with the Holy Spirit revelation. What did Jesus do? He helped us focus on Scripture. The other thing Jesus did was He caused them to focus on Jesus. And when they're at the table with them, He took bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. So Jesus was walking with these two guys and He was actually heading off in a different direction. But these two disciples begged that this man, they didn't know it was Jesus at the time, would stay with them. So Jesus went and had dinner with them and He sat down and He broke bread. Verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised Him and He disappeared from their sight. Jesus took them back to the last place that He was with His disciples was the Last Supper. Now, Bible doesn't say these two guys were part of that 12. Some scholars think they were. But there was something about Jesus breaking bread and opening Himself up by sitting down. They suddenly saw Him. There was an intimacy. There was a one-on-one. They were looking Some scholars say they saw the nail piercing in His hands. Some say they they saw the way He broke the bread and and they'd heard about that on the Last Supper. For whatever reason, they saw Him. And our job, no matter what we go through, is to continue to see Him. How do we do that? Well, you can't look at two things at once. I... um, I confess, I got a ticket for looking at my phone in the car. I know. How, how on earth am I qualified to pastor you after that experience? And my wife reminds me pretty much every day, but there is a lesson that I learned. You can't do two things at once. Not only is it illegal, but it's dangerous. And I think too often in life, 
rather than looking to our God, we're looking to everything else and it's dangerous. Just like looking at a phone while you're driving could take you off the road and you end up in trouble. Here's the thing about God. He loves you so much. He is so in love with you. He will pursue you and, 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 and He'll do whatever it takes to reveal Himself to you. And so it's almost like God saying, look, there's a hard way or an easy way. <laughs> How do you want to do that? You want to do the easy way or you want to do it the hard way? All I know in life, I'm going to pick the easy way every day. And the easy way is to put your eyes on Him now. Put your eyes on Him and keep your eyes on Him. You know, it's something we do daily. We, we look to Him. We, we, we think about Him. We, we focus on Him. It's similar, isn't it, to driving your car where we should be looking through the windscreen of faith, but often we're looking down on our phone, looking at the circumstances, the problems and the pressures. And we're vulnerable. It's dangerous. Yet when we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we keep our eyes fixed on Him, we see something that we can't see in our physical sight. What's interesting is Jesus didn't change their circumstances. He didn't fix the Roman rulership issue that they were believing. God revealed Himself that He was victorious spiritually, that suddenly they could put their faith in Him and what He had delivered spiritually. Because so often we look at our circumstances or our physical world, but God is trying to get our attention and saying, come on, there's more I wanna show you, that there's more in you. There's a bigger story going on. I'm actually working behind the scenes. I'm doing things that you don't realise. I'm not sleeping or laying down on the job, but I have a plan and a destiny and a purpose. And if you keep your eyes on me, I'll bring you through no matter what you face. If you keep your eyes on me, I'll, I'll encourage you to keep your faith. If you keep your eyes on me, you, you, you'll start to worship me. You'll start to become like me. Father, I pray today that we would keep our eyes on You. I pray that Scripture would keep us focused and help us to see Your truth and the things that matter most. And I pray that we would keep our hearts and our eyes of faith on You. Still praying today with eyes closed and heads bowed. Some of you can't see Jesus. The reality is we're all born blind. We can't see Him. We have this thing called sin. And that's why Jesus died and rose again, so our sins could be forgiven, so we could have a relationship with our Father through Jesus Christ. And this is your day to see Him. And that's why you're here, to see Jesus, to see Him, to see all the promises that He has for you, to see the victory that is available to you, to, to see the blessings that He wants for you, to, to see the destiny that He has for you. If that's you, you're far from God. You don't know Him. You're not here by chance. Today's your day to say yes to Him. Would you boldly just raise your hand and say, yeah, Miles, I wanna see Him. I wanna be saved. I wanna be changed. I wanna know Him. Just wherever you are, raise your hand and you'll see Him. 
It's a miracle that takes place. I, I can't even explain it in words. Suddenly we're born again. Our, our scales of, of this world just fall off our eyes and we suddenly see Him spiritually and we see who we are in Christ. Just raise your hand if that's you. Maybe you're watching online, just raise your hand. Say yes to Him. Father, I thank You for those making a decision that they would see You, that they'd be overwhelmed with You, that they would be changed by You. I pray that in Jesus' Name. Would you all stand to your feet? It's, it's interesting that when we look to God, we can't help but worship Him because that's what we were born to do. And that's what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna let the, the team take us into a place of worship where our eyes are fixed on our God. We can see Him. Maybe God's gonna reveal Himself to you. I believe God's gonna share some things to you. Maybe you're gonna get a vision in worship. Maybe He's going to give you a peace. You're worried, you're anxious and God's just gonna calm you right now. Maybe you're stressed and you're not sure what will happen with your job and you're anxious and worried. And as you put your eyes on Christ, He'll just let you know, I've got this covered. I have a plan, it's okay, don't stress. I'm with you, I'm walking with you. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I'm gonna be with you as we worship Him today. Let's keep our eyes on Him in Jesus' Name. Amen.